Good evening, everyone. I'm Christine Bentley with Kate Wheeler here. And this is what she said, brought to you tonight by TD Wealth. We have an absolutely great show lined up for you tonight. Fashion, live music, success stories, and wine. Yes, well, Christine, you were away for this segment. Of course, I always miss everything. (laughs) Well, we had a blast with super wine girl Angela Aiello from the Aiello Wine Club. We were talking about South African wines from Piwosa. We even uh, tried a few on air. Well, just two. Um, I tried the Radford Dale Venom Chenin Blanc and Ken Forrester Renegade. And we even got to keep a bottle as well. So really, you know, don't take vacations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can see that there was a party yep. here. Well, we're also going to be joined tonight by Melissa Evans-Lee. And Melissa is the marketing director at Bayview Village. Love and she all. is going to give us a summer wardrobe refresh with everything from the it colors and patterns this season, what to expect for fall. Oh, and, come on. And I know that summer hasn't even started yet, but she also has a curated list of the must-haves, which is mm-hmm. what I need to, I really need to get get a hold of that list. Mm. Melissa's musts. Yes. And in TD's Your Story, Your Future, we are talking to award-winning medical doctor, Susan Bialy about feeling burned out, overwhelmed. She struggled with that and depression, and she's going to share tips on how we can all slow down a little, take a minute for ourselves, maybe by going shopping. <laughs> I hear there's flamenco dancing involved. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Now, did you know that Canada is a leader in clinical trial research? We're talking to Christine Archer from Roche Canada about what clinical trials are, what the benefits are for Canadian patients, and how you can actually get into a trial. Mm. And it is, of course, Saturday night at the movies. Film critic Anne Brody is here to tell us what to watch and what to avoid at the box office this weekend. This week's big releases include Cars 3, All Eyes on Me, and the 1967 Monterey International Pop Festival is getting a 4K resolution restoration. That sounds very cool. And we're really looking forward to hearing Toronto singer-songwriter I. Now, that's spelled A-H-I in our live studio sessions this evening. Kate, you've seen him live before. I have, and it was excellent. Very, very good. Um, Actually performing with Liberty Silver. Mm. And we also have a great giveaway to tell you about. Our friends at Elevation Pictures are giving you free tickets to see The Big Sick. It's about bickering parents and a serious health scare that threaten the budding relationship between a Pakistani stand-up comic and his American girlfriend. Now, we're giving away double passes to the premier screenings in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Halifax, and Victoria. So tell your friends in those cities. Go to whatyousaidtalk.com, click on contest to claim yours uh, before they're all gone. And don't forget, we're also giving away two copies of True Family Wealth by Chris Clark. Uh, you can find that on our content contest page. And did you know that getting more protein in your 40s and 50s is key to preventing age-related muscle loss as we head towards our best years? Boomer Nutrition is giving you 25% off their energy protein powder. Go to myboomernutrition.com, hit where to buy, and click on our logo. And we will be right back after the break with Bayview Village's Melissa Evans-Lee, who's going to help us update our wardrobes for summer. Stay with us. Well, okay, ladies, we're all looking to spice up our wardrobes this summer and winter and all the time. But most of us don't exactly know where to start. So we have just the guest for you. She's got an eye for all things oat. Welcome Bayview Village's marketing maven, Melissa Evans-Lee, to what she said. Thank you. You're responsible for promoting Bayview Village Shopping Centre as Canada's most prestigious shopping destination. And you've put together a spring-slash-summer 2017 fashion report for us. So let's start at the beginning. What is the it color of the season? Mm. Well, what I'm going to say might surprise you, but it really shouldn't. If you look at where we've been heading for the last Mm -hmm. little bit, recall last year, rose quartz was Mm. Pantone's color of the year. So the answer is pink. It is having a huge moment, not just in fashion. We saw it all over the major runways, but also home decor, home goods, restaurant decor, packaging. Our logo. Exactly. Uh, Uh, Is there a pink for every 
skin tone for every person. Absolutely. And that's why it's so popular. And that's why it sells is that it's very flattering. There is Mm -hmm. a pink for every skin tone. So that's the good news. And the other thing is it's it plays well in the closet. So in other words, you can style it with everything that you already have. Red. Pink and red. Pink yes. and red? Yes. I like pink and orange. Pink the, and orange. I know. It's like, so you see yeah, white, denim, yeah. black, everything that you already have, green. And it also can be a winter color to break up, as Kate mm-hmm. said, gray and black and navy and, you know, just a Absolutely. pop. Absolutely. Right? A punctuator, which we all need because we all have way too much black. Mm, don't we? Yeah, don't, don't we? we? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Black, gray, and navy. So and this is brown. refreshing, and, and it's not going away. Because we are seeing it in all those different areas, as I say, whether it's decor or packaging, this has a long shelf life. This is not going to be one of those fly-by-night colors that's here today, gone tomorrow. You don't go and buy a pink couch, and then next year you're buying a green couch. Like, there is longevity in this. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, the, so what about what about the it pattern? Are florals back? Because you have a beautiful Florals are definitely back, but it's stripes. Stripes? Oh, 100%. And it's always interesting to me to look at the fashion world's uh, sort of summary of what they saw on the runway. Because Mm -hmm. it is so subjective and it is up to interpretation, but not this year. Overwhelmingly, everyone said the prevailing theme would be stripes. Now, the good news is, like pink, stripes... Everybody, there's a stripe for everybody. You can wear it. So despite the fact that people think that stripes make you look bigger, that's actually not true. That's one of those old really? wise tales. A horizontal stripe t-shirt is not no, going to make No, and actually look- they did research where they had two women, both the same size, both wearing stripes, one vertical, one horizontal. And it was the woman wearing the horizontal, the side to, side by side, mm-hmm. or side to side stripes that actually was deemed to be thinner. So it's one of those, you know, fashion things that we've come to believe along the way, like don't wear white after Labor Day, that we can dispense with. There is a stripe for everyone, and there are tips and tricks, and that's probably the topic of another segment, but you can make it work, even if you're petite or curvy, what have you. What is the biggest fashion trend of the season? Athleisure. So that's this idea of wearing active Active wear, bringing that into your everyday life. So I'm talking about designer leggings, cashmere sweats, this loungewear, tennis shoes, bomber jackets like what I'm wearing today. I'm not talking velour track uh, or track suits. Um, this is more gym wear out of the Hamptons, I'll say. So what what can you wear when you, when you? I, I see women lo- looking great, and they don't look like they've just come from the gym, as you said. But a lot of it has to do with the shoes that they're. Absolutely. Part of the magic of that is mixing it with other things. So you don't want to do this look head to toe. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have the dressy track pant and Judith and Charles has an amazing version of this, but then you pair it with heels or like what I'm doing today, a bomber jacket, but I've got a fairly casual top And you on. have pink shoes on. Oh, I, I always <laughs> have pink shoes on, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it, that's an interesting one because we've been talking about this for many seasons. So this is not trend anymore. It's veering into classic territory, and there's lots of reasons for that. There's this increased health consciousness. Um, there's cultural shifts in the workplace that whereby – you know, it's not as dressy as it once was. Like, how many people do you know that wear suits every day in the workplace? Less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, people want more functionality when it comes to their wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So where we talked about desk to dinner wear previously, it's now also about gym to office wear. Mm-hmm. And people want to be comfortable. This idea of sort of suffering for fashion, yeah. no more. People well, aren't sort interested of in that. Leggings, for example, that were definitely just gym wear. And pe- runners would wear it and what. And now they're so fancy and people will just wear running shoes and then stick on a pair of heels and go out for dinner. Absolutely. And nobody thinks twice. Or a dress with really nice sneakers. Yeah. A pair of Adidas shoes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say are the top five musts for summer? You're only giving me five. I'm only giving you five, Melissa. Um, Number one, mom jeans. So this is that cross between the high-waisted skinny jean and maybe the boyfriend jean. Mm -hmm. So in other words, hallelujah. We're no longer inadvertently flashing people with the low-rise jeans. Thank you. Or the muffin top. Exactly. So Mendocino has a great pair of Levi's that are worth checking out. I would say number two is a pair of slides or mules, Mm -hmm. so that sandal. 
Um, Capizio has a great one, Kendall and Kali, with a kind of a chain de- detail, and that's actually one of the musts. If we go to mm-hmm. my lookbook online, you'll see those. Jumpsuit, mm-hmm. one and done. Mm-hmm. One-piece dressing for summer, so easy breezy. Don't have to worry about it. Looks good on everybody. Bananas got a Banana Republic has a really great V-neck cropped version, worth checking out as well. Um, number four, kimono or robe. Mm-hmm. So th- you know that boho chic seventies vibe looks good with everything. So dress, denim, bathing suit. So which is why it's perfect for travel because you could wear it one night over a dress for dinner, and then you could wear it poolside the next day. So where where can you get that? Mendocino, Mendocino has a lot. Honey Honey has a lot. Okay. Wow. And then last but not least, something white. We got to lighten up. As we talked about, everyone has way too much black in their closet. So something white. What's the uh, this season's fun fashion item? You're going to love this one. Furry sandals. My daughter bought a pair uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. she came and said, what do you think of those? <laughs> there was, they, they reminded me of almost 50s boudoir slippers. Aren't they funny? Yeah. You know what? When I first saw those, I thought, oh, my God, never, not ever. <laughs> uh, those are ridiculous. And so, you know. That's one of the things, never say never, right? right? Because Absolutely. now once you see it styled, yeah, they're ridiculous, they're impractical, but they're fun and fashion should be that. So let's take your crystal ball out and have a look at what's coming up for fall. In terms of color, red will be hot. Uh, burgundy, floral, print of the season, um, which is always great to see in that context, mm-hmm. fall, winter. Velvet, a lot of velvet as sort of the texture of the season, and then lots of fun fur, 70s plaid, fishnets. Fishnets? Yep, and pantsuits. Thanks, Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> and boots. Tell me boots. High boots. You know what? We're, footwear's funny. The last couple seasons, anything goes, right? So you're seeing mm-hmm. heels, you're seeing pointy, you're seeing rounded toe, you're seeing flat. So I feel like there's something for everyone in footwear, which is really exciting. Well, there, there again, I think people are don't want to wreck their feet anymore. You are, as they said, right. the comfort. It's like exactly. we want to walk. We want to walk more. We want to be able to incorporate our exercise. Yeah. So there's, I mean, I can't walk in heels anymore. So right. I'm looking for nice, cute flats or just a like a kitten heel kind well, of Well, me too. That's and I've, I've said this to you gals before. I came out of the womb wearing high heels and even I'm looking for flats too. So I've already, I'm already got a jump start on fall, winter with a chunky sort of block heel, mm-hmm. embroidered, round toe uh, booty that I found at Capizio. So tell people how they can connect with Bayview Village and your special page, which is Melissa's Musts. Mm, Well, uh, our website is bayviewvillageshops.com, and there we have our spring-summer lookbook, as well as I'm featuring 45 must-haves for the season. And we only gave you five. I know. (laughs) So you'll have to go to the website and check that out. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. This is what she said. Stay with us. trials are a vital part of research and discovery to help evaluate the benefits and shortcomings of new treatments as well as prevent and detect illness. Joining us today to help us all better understand the process and value of clinical trials is Christina Archer, who is Roche Canada's uh, clinical operations guru. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you very much. Okay, so I did not realize that Canada is actually a world leader in clinical trial research. We are here in Canada. It's actually something we should be very proud of. I believe we're ranked fourth globally for the number of clinical trials that we do in Canada. So given our population size, that's that's quite amazing achievement. And I think it's largely drawn by the quality of the physicians and medical community that we have here in Canada, the stability of our healthcare system and the diversity of our population. All those things make us a really attractive site for clinical trials. Um, and people that are willing to participate. Absolutely. Clinical trials would not happen without patients who are willing to participate in them. So that's a critical component for sure. So how is a clinical trial different from other forms of research? So a clinical trial is specifically looking at the investigation of a medicine or a drug that's in development. Mm-hmm. Um, it's occurs in several different stages. So depending on where it is in the development cycle, the clinical trial will look a bit different. The number of patients we need to include will look different. The types of criteria that need to be met will look different. Um, But really, it's a very structured way of allowing us 
to take um, a potential new drug through the appropriate stages of development to ensure that it is safe for humans and that it is effective and does what we need it to do uh, in terms of the patient's disease. Okay, so when you say safe, it's like, okay, so that's good. I mean, you know, I, I, it used to be that you knew, people would take part in sort of clinical trials to help, but also because they were paid and because, you know, they want, they want it to be safe. But how can you ensure that you're safe? when you're doing that? What protections are for the people that are taking the tests? Absolutely, for sure. So before uh, a drug ever is administered to a human, there is significant testing that happens in the preclinical setting. So okay. we already have a very good sense of the safety of a drug, but really it needs to be inhuman for us to continue to make those assessments. So in early development stages, we're looking at the level of the dose and how you know quickly you can escalate it to get the effect that you need uh, for the patient's disease. But any patient who enters a clinical trial uh, goes through a process that's called informed consent. So they meet with the physician and the physician's nurse, and they go through in great detail the specifics of that protocol, what we know about the drug to date so far in its development. They're made aware of the procedures that they'll undergo, again, what, what medications that they'll be provided, um, and they are given the, what we call informed consent. So they're given the option to fully understand um, what is required in the study. Um, their rights are protected throughout the process through independent research ethics committees, and they are given the option of withdrawing from the study at any time. So it really is a partnered approach with the patient to ensure that they, have, that they are kept safe throughout. And, and what are they paid, non-paid? How do these trials work? So when the trials that we do here at Roche are in um, actual patients, so you may hear certain advertisements mm -hmm. on the radio, for instance, uh, for compensated trials, and th those tend to be very early on when they're really just looking at testing um, a drug in, in a healthy individual. So those individuals are compensated for their time. The studies that we do at Roche and through Roche Canada are in actual patients. So these patients are not compensated per se. Mm -hmm. However, we do personally feel that no patient should be out of pocket for participating in a clinical trial. So we'll reimburse them for things like parking at a hospital and those types of things because they'll likely need to come a little bit more frequently than they would normally, mm -hmm. but they're not paid for their participation, no. Okay, that's good to clarify. Now, are clinical trials becoming more complicated? I think so. I mean, yes, Unfortunately, and uh, so it's a good news story as well, but the science is that much more advanced. I think we are trying to tackle diseases uh, that, you know, in past perhaps maybe we've shied away from. Um, the science is quite complicated. Like what? Give us an example of a disease. Uh, so we're looking at treatments for things like autism, Alzheimer's disease, uh, as well as obviously a host of oncology or cancer indications as well. Right. Um, and so, yes, the science is complicated. The protocols sometimes are complicated. And so we are asking at times, you know, quite a bit of the patients in order for them to be able to participate. They may need to have more assessments, more blood draws, again, than they would as a, as a normal patient, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, but the real benefit to the patient is that they're getting a really high quality of care. They generally see the physician much more frequently in the context of a clinical trial than they would um, as a non-trial patient. Um, and again, they're really empowered to be a part of the process and, and to be part of, of working towards a solution. So how long is there an average that you could say that if you were signing up for a trial that are we talking weeks, months? It really depends. So we do some studies, um, perhaps like in a in an asthma type setting where we may look at uh, patients being treated for a period of six or nine months. Um, we do other studies, for instance, in oncology where we actually end up following patients throughout their life so we can collect overall survival data. So definitely the level of intensity would not be the same, for instance, in an oncology study where we're following them for the duration of their life, mm -hmm. but there would be um, certain follow-up that would happen so that we could continue to collect information to better inform uh, the development plan for that drug. So how do you, how does one get into a trial? So really, the best way is to have a conversation with your, with their physician or healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. um, they are the ones typically who would, in a lot of cases, need to make a referral uh, to a specialist in order for them to be involved if that physician was not themselves a clinical trial investigator. Um, 
But that said, even some physicians don't necessarily know about all of the clinical trials that are available and all of the options. So there are some fantastic resources available online, certainly through Health Canada. There's a database of all clinical trials that are being run in Canada. Uh, clinicaltrials.gov as well has a lot of information uh, and post, we post all of our clinical trials there as well. Um, and certainly through uh, the patient organizations in Canada, they are becoming very savvy and very knowledgeable in the space of clinical trials. And at Roche Canada, we have done quite a bit of work with patient organizations so that we can better understand what patients need and understand the patient experience. Uh, so we engage them as well from an awareness perspective around the trials that we're running. And they're a great resource for patients. I think. Now, now so, so we're hearing a lot about clinical trial research turning diseases, like, like some cancers, into chronic manageable conditions as opposed to you know, classes diseases. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. What successes have we had? Yeah, so especially in the oncology space or with cancer, uh, we have some fascinating and really cutting edge research that's going on across the industry. We're really, we have a class of drugs, you may have heard of it referred to as immuno-oncology, uh, mm -hmm. where really this class of drugs, what it does is it re-engages the patient's own immune system to fight the cancer. The reality is, um, as, as we probably don't like to think about it this way, but you and I have cancer in our bodies at all times because mm -hmm. really what cancer is is when our cells start dividing without control and the normal mechanisms that would, um, would, would stop them, would destroy the cancer, are no longer working. And that's really what cancer is. So these, this class of drugs has the ability to engage patients' own immune systems to fight the cancer in a very targeted way. And it's meaningful for a number of reasons. It allows a really sustained response, but it also doesn't have the same side effects as maybe traditional chemotherapy does, which can be quite difficult for patients to endure. So mm -hmm. patients actually maintain quite a nice and high quality of life. Um, and again, it becomes more of a chronic condition as opposed to a, a very acute situation. So then tell us specifically then what Roche Canada does and what resources people can get from you. So at Roche Canada, uh, we are um, a sponsor of many clinical trials in Canada. Uh, we do have resources on our website to, to speak to some of that. And we are conducting clinical trials right now across Canada um, in numerous different uh, cancer indications as well as Alzheimer's disease, ophthalmology, uh, and other dermatology indications. So there is a lot of opportunities out there. Again, I would say patients should definitely have a conversation with their healthcare provider to ensure that a clinical mm -hmm. trial is the right option for them. Um, but they should certainly look to educate themselves as well around what clinical trials are and, and to make that determination if it's the right next step for them. And they can find that on the Roche Canada website? Uh, we have some information more specific to clinical trials, but probably if they wanted to just know about what a clinical trial would entail, mm -hmm. uh, there's some great patient resources on the Health Canada website that are not specific to any one company, but really would speak about the process more in depth about informed consent and kind of what what it would look like and if it's a potential right fit for them. That's awesome. Christina Archer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. This is what she said. Stay with us. Well, Saturday Night at the Movies is brought to you tonight by Elevation Pictures. And joining us now is our film critic, Anne Brody. And the racers are back in their awesome rides. Cars 3 is out, and I saw you with your new car. My new <laughs> Lightning McQueen, that's me, Lightning McBrody. So, you know, I have got to take my hat off, as all of us must, to Pixar, who really raised the game of animation over the past maybe 20 years, whatever it is. And it just gets better and better. They have great voice people, the design and thought behind the films and the scripts. They are the gold standard. So here, Lightning McQueen, who is Owen Wilson, not me, is um, being sort of swept to the side. He's Someone's beaten him in a race. So he decides, well, I guess I should retire. No, I ain't retiring. So he gets a hold of a friend uh, who is Nathan Fillion from Castle, who's also Canadian, uh, to train him again so he can go up against these young bucks like Army Hammer. And uh, a girl trains him, actually, as well. So it's, there's a lot going on. It's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, okay, now what about the true story of the life and death of Tupac? Well, do you remember all the buzz about Tupac oh, yeah. way back in the day? I and did. we covered it thoroughly on the news. We did. And, uh, of course, they've elevated his status now to Saint 
you know, hip hop saint, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which strikes me as very funny because he was one of the instigators of the East West rap war. Um, and, you know, he served time in prison for sexual assault. And, uh, but in 1996, he and his uh, uh, companion, what's his name again? Biggie Smalls, were shot dead in their car by Suge Knight who served time for it, but I think he's coming out soon. Anyway, it's a big story. It's important to a lot of people. Um, It's sort of a history of uh, hip hop seen through his eyes. Oh, and also, did you know that Tupac was born to Black Panthers? Mm -hmm. And not only was he an actor, but he was also a ballet dancer. Can't see it, but never mind. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And now this one that everybody's talking about. Yeah, rough nights. Just imagine going on your bachelorette party and accidentally killing a stripper. Of course, this is what people always do wrong in these films. They try to cover it up. If it's an accident, go to the cops. But no, they've got to cover it up and put everyone in danger. Fear and very potty mouth stuff. Yeah, but quite a cast. Incredible cast, isn't it? Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live, who does Kellyanne Conway. Conway. It's Conway. <laughs> um, Demi Moore, Zoe Kravitz, Ty Burrell. That's, Ty Burrell, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty good cast. Did you know that Demi Moore has no, she's missing her two front teeth? I did not know that. For stress. For stress? Stress. In Never the movie, she has no front teeth? No, no, no in, in life. real life. Oh, in real life. Uh, isn't, that, uh, isn't that shocking? Oh, I don't know. Oh, what did goodness. Ashton Kutcher do to her? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, okay, so let's talk about Monterey Pop, because oh, that's my. undergone a 4K restoration, which must make it just incredible to look at. Oh, it's just out of this world. And whether you grew up with that kind of music or knew the event or caught up with it later in life, this is... One chill after another. It's just the most galvanizing concert film I've ever seen, for sure. You've got Janis Joplin singing Ball and Chain. And, you know, Mama from the Mamas and the Papas just going, wow. Pete Townsend smashing his guitar. (laughs) Jimi Hendrix making love to his. And setting it on fire. (laughs) I mean, just everything. And the crowd shots are so great. All these kids, they look about 12 And these are the trendsetters, the peace and love kids. It's just the most extraordinary film. So if you haven't seen it, you must see it. Okay. Also uh, out, The Book of Henry? Yeah, it's about a family who discovers that something bad is going on in the house next door and set out to save the young girl. Mm -hmm. But things go horribly awry. Okay. And then we have... um, uh, Putin interviews. Yeah, the Putin interviews with... um, Done by Oliver Stone. And of course, because it's an Oliver Stone thing, it's half about him, half about Putin. (laughs) So he's... (laughs) He had a dozen interviews over the past two years, and he's clearly besotted with this man. He thinks he's wonderful, misunderstood, and he's, he's the hope of the future. One of the things that Putin says in this is that the Rosenbergs, were, who were executed for passing nuclear information to the Russians way back when, the Americans gave them the information. The Americans who created the, the, nu- the missiles gave them the information to balance the world because everyone was terrified of the states, so that Russia could build its capabilities. Okay, and quickly, you think Loch Ness is insanely great. I'm speechless it's that good. It's about, it takes place at Loch Ness. There's a human monster under the lake. There are plenty of monsters running about on the land. It's really good. And this is an acorn? Yeah, and Downton Abbey's um, Siobhan Finnery, who was the the evil housekeeper, she plays the good sergeant and uh, great little girl, um, little girl, listen to me, Laura Fraser is the deputy and a million different complexities set into it. It's brilliantly done. Well, Annie, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. But in the meantime, we want to remind you about our new contest with our friends at Elevation Pictures. Bickering parents in a serious health scare threaten the budding relationship between a Pakistani stand-up comic and his American girlfriend in The Big Sick. The movie is in select theaters Friday, June 30th, and Friday, July 14th everywhere. And we're giving away double passes to screenings in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Halifax, 
and Victoria. So go to whatshesaidtalk.com, click on contests to claim yours before they're all gone. Tell your friends. Well, thank goodness they wrote that song because you know we love a good glass of wine here at What She Said. And joining us today is Super Wine Girl. She's an expert <laughs> writer and owner of the I Yellow Wine Club, Angela Yellow. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So what should we be looking for in wine this summer, says the woman who spent yesterday building a new patio. Oh. So I'm ready to go. Yes, you need some patio wines for sure. I Barbecue do. wines? Yes. Oh. Well, white wine, red wine's always in season. And I always say when the summer comes out, you want to switch up your wine uh, fashion with you like your fashion that you're going to wear, you know, instead of those big heavy reds that you were drinking in the in the winter, you want to pull out some nice fresh whites. And here we have two wonderful wines. My favorite region right now is South Africa. I went in October and they have some amazing value wines that you can have and really? add to your summer portfolio. I, yeah. have, I, I like Chenin Blanc. Yes. From South Chen- Africa. That's oh. good. Chenin Blanc is the signature grape from South Africa. Well, I did not know. I thought it came from the Loire Valley. It is. I mean, (laughs) I guess its origin is in the Loire, and its like spiritual home maybe is in South Africa. (laughs) (laughs) So the wineries in South Africa are, you know, how how was it? Was it a blast? Oh my God! It was. I mean, it's at the tip of the South African uh, of the African continent. Mm -hmm. So you have water all around you, and you have this wonderful tropical um, sort of environment so you have a wonderful grape growing region for full-bodied reds like the Shiraz that we have or Chenin Blanc which adds just some nice tropical flavors and a nice line of acidity. Okay, so then, well, let's start with the with the white. Is this a Chenin Blanc? This is a this is a Chenin Blanc. Okay. Yes, I get to, I get to drink now. It's, yes, okay. yeah. <laughs> we get to drink now. Five easy steps to tasting wine: sight, swirl, smell, sip, and savor. Okay, this is. Um, I, I am not an onophile by any means, but this. Um, for a white wine that's as light and acidic as this, it seems to be heavy, almost syrupy. It's got a, he- a body to it. What I love about they, what they're doing in uh, in South Africa with Chenin Blanc is they're sometimes adding a bit of oak aging or lees mm. contact. Mm. So you get a little bit more of that fuller bodied uh, flavor on your palate, more texture and yes. weight, which yeah, is wait, really that's nice. It. See, mm-hmm. you know the right words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you can talk about wine a lot like you talk about food. You know, when you have salmon, whether it's like baked or done on the barbecue, they taste differently. And wine is the same way. So if you want, you really want to pair the weight of the wine with the weight of the food. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the red? And here we have a, uh, a Ken Forster wine. It's a Shiraz Rhone blend. So once again, inspired by France, but uh, made possible by South Africa. Mm. We have the Renegade by Ken Forrester, mostly Shiraz based with some oak aging on there. So black currant. Mm-hmm. Yes, a little bit of black currant, some bramble, some dark cherry. Bramble, is that the word you say to cover all the kinds of fruits you're not exactly. sure about? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> That is a super wine word. <laughs> so where did all these, I mean, I, I'm not very good at pairing food. I had to mm. give up a lot of heavy red wines because they seem to trigger migraines. Yes. Um, so I moved to white and I have, but now even my husband, who's a great red wine drinker, we enjoy having white with all kinds of meals. It's not like you have to pair red with dark meat and white with fish anymore, is it? Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to food and wine pairing, there I think are old rules, but the mm-hmm. new rules are, you know, you really want to pair the, the weight of wine with, the food. Weight with the so food. So when we talk about the weight of the Chenin Blanc, you were talking mm-hmm. about how it has a bit more texture and weight. You can pair that easily with a roasted chicken or a pork tenderloin on the grill, you know, with some nice savory pastas or, or even some shrimp with a nice cream sauce. Those things are all really wonderful things you can pair. These are very nice wines. Mm. These are these, what's the price point? Uh, they're they're both actually under fifteen dollars, which is what I love about South Africa. It's this kind of this gem in the wine world. Uh, it's an undiscovered area that you can really find wonderful, great quality wines for a fraction of the price that you'd pay for in other regions. So, what do you think makes South African wines these these in particular stand out from the same wines in other regions? Well, both of these wines are actually made from iconic people in the industry. So, the, their quality, their vision of what they want to bring from South Africa is about quality, deliciousness, um, complexity, and I think that's really important as well because these both of these producers are, you know, standalone people in the wine business that have pushed the whole category forward through the vision of quality. So is this like the newest of the, quote, new world wines? Would I, South Africa be considered that region? Yeah, it, I guess it is. They've been making wine for over 350 years. Technically, I guess that's still new. Mm. Um, it is kind of nestled in that that sort of the European continent and in there in the African continent. But it is technically a, a new world, new world region with sort of old world philosophies. 
What about chilling reds? Mm, I love that for summer. That is a great, a great idea, especially when you're serving full-bodied reds with the barbecue. Throwing them into your fridge for a couple minutes actually lowers the perception of alcohol and brings out the fruit. So it's a wonderful way to serve your red red wines in the summer. So is there a red or are there red wines that should never be refrigerated? No. Really? Yes, absolutely. I mean, just for a little bit. You don't want to serve them chilled, Chilled. cold, but you definitely want them to have a little bit of that freshness that you can bring out through 20 minutes in their fridge. Now, um, you do all kinds of events. Tell Mm -hmm. people where they can get in touch with you and join in on this great wine experience that I'm really enjoying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can follow me at Super Wine Girl on Instagram, um, on Twitter, and as well on Facebook. And you can join our wine club, which is a free membership at ielowineclub.com on all the socials as well. We're the same. You Google Aiello, we're there. We're the only ones. (laughs) (laughs) Angelo Aiello, thank you so much. You're welcome. This is what she said. Stay with us. Joining us now in TD's Your Story, Your Future is an award-winning medical doctor, wellness expert, life coach, author, and flamenco dancer, Dr. Susan Bialy. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You sound very exciting. So do both of you and the way you react to my bio. I love it. <laughs> well, how long have you been flamenco dancing? Let's get to, let's cut to the chase. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I started out dancing salsa and then fell in love with flamenco when I saw it being performed. So I started doing that probably about 2003, so quite a while ago now. Mm. Well, we'd love to keep talking about flamenco (laughs) dancing, but now we have to go to the dark side Mm. because we're talking about burnout. And I understand that at the beginning of your career as a doctor, you really struggled with depression and burnout. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yes, the flamenco dancing um, came out of that rock bottom point that I hit I was, after medical school, enrolled in an emergency medicine residency, which was a disastrous mistake. I, I really didn't know anything about myself at that time. I had just been pursuing academic achievements, awards, accolades, um, without really any kind of self-reflection. And thankfully, it eventually all started to come apart at the seams, and I became um, very depressed, very burned out, exhausted, and I just really couldn't keep going at all. How was it that your life went from being in that dark place to where you are now? What was the transition? Well, I'm very, very grateful to that dark place, actually, and I really encourage people who are seriously depressed or who are experiencing significant burnout um, to actually embrace it as much as no one would ever wish it upon themselves, because really it's an opportunity. If you can leverage it to really ask yourself the deep questions about your life as I did. I realized I was completely unsuited to my career that I had chosen. Uh, My life was so unidimensional. It was just all about work, which is the case with so many of us. And so it was when I started making better choices, finding work that suited me much more than emergency medicine, and also just learning to have more fun and play and be creative, which is where the dancing came in. And it was remarkable what happened when I started just leading a much more balanced, joyous life. But I mean, that that's, I, I think it's great. That, and it's wonderful that you were able to do this. But for so many people, I mean, they need to put work, food on the table for their families. And they can't get out of that kind of rut without losing or the potential of losing everything. Exactly. And I'm not suggesting at all that people abandon their work. I actually just transitioned from emergency medicine into general practice. I got my license as a general practice physician, and I still have that to this day. And it was really more about um, just evaluating what you do in your free time and making sure that there is some free time. We So many of us need to place better boundaries around our work, which then in turn actually increases our productivity. We know from research that if someone gets enough sleep, eats properly, has something in their life that they're passionate about, spends time with their loved ones. In addition to their work, productivity goes up, lack of absenteeism goes up. It's actually really good for your career to just have a more balanced approach. Well, how do you know if you're starting to experience burnout? What, what, what would some of the symptoms be? 
It's a very gradual process. It, it creeps up on you progressively, usually through increasing fatigue and feelings of exhaustion. That's one of the hallmarks. Now, as a medical doctor, I have to tell people, of course, that if you're feeling that, to go see your physician because depression can overlap with it, and also it could be thyroid disease or low iron and other things. But beyond that fatigue, there's also a loss of interest in things that you used to love. You might find yourself getting more negative and cynical about your colleagues, about your customers at work, about your family members, and that even though you feel like you're just working nonstop, you're not nearly as productive and effective as you used to be. It's a really, really awful constellation of, of feelings, actually. Well, another word we hear a lot about is stress and where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that stress causes depression. And I think there's an overlap in all these things, but people talk about it a lot. I don't remember my parents' generation talking about stress the way we do. And even young people are stressed. Everyone seems to be stressed. Yes, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, we do know that exhaustion and burnout actually have been around for millennia. They've been documented way, way, way back in history. So it is something that happens to the human body and mind and spirit if we just have too much stress for too long. There's no question, though, that in our 24-hour society, when there are just so many choices, so many options, um, and we can we can work literally round the clock if we want to, that it's really an art to learn how to put those boundaries in place. For, for example, I've really dialed back on social media, and on weekends I don't check email at all. There are things that we can do to, to reclaim sanity and a bit of that older, more normal life that our parents lived. So what are some of the tips that you would give to someone if, if they felt that they were burned out, overstressed, overwhelmed? One of the first things that I recommend is to stop pushing your mind and body without support. I'm not necessarily saying that people immediately dial back on their workload because, as you mentioned, a lot of people simply can't do that, and that would even increase their stress Mm. if they worried about failing at work or not performing. So one of the key things that they can do is sleep, food, and exercise. Get as much sleep as you can, even just half an hour more. Stop cutting it around the edges. Make sure that you eat proper food, have breakfast, don't eat garbage on the run. You'll notice that that makes a huge impact. And also some form of exercise, even if it's just on your break, getting out and taking a brisk walk around the block, getting that blood moving to your brain makes a huge difference. What about flamenco dancing? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, And it really was embracing my passion that I'd had for dance as a child that had gotten shoved aside as I ambitiously pursued success that ended up saving me when in my late 20s I was able to pick it up again. And, you know, play and creativity are so healing for us as humans. And also dance because it's cardiovascular exercise that you don't even know that you're doing. And it's social. Yeah, like, it's amazing. Exactly. I was just going to say that because I know people who who say, no, I've got to work out four times a week, and it becomes a job, it becomes a chore, and it adds to their stress level because I can't make it, so I've missed my 40 minutes, I only did 30 minutes, or I only did 20, or I missed the day. And it, and But this sounds like you go, you meet people, you have fun, you, you, you must forget everything when you're out there on the dance floor. Yes, yes, that is such... And you can't, you can't check your emails. <laughs> No, you can't. I know that I can do it on the Stairmaster. Uh, it's a bit risky. But, but yes, I really, you've got it exactly there with, I want people to reduce the burdens that they feel and try to find things that you can fit into your life that don't feel like a burden and like more work you've got to do. This is not meant to increase your sense of burden. Do you, for example, put your cell phone away when you're going to sleep? Do you gear away from all those devices? Oh, yes, absolutely. I've had some challenges with sleep, and that's a really important piece of sleep hygiene is to get those screens off, ideally a couple of hours before you go to bed. And so the only reason my phone is at my bedside is the alarm if I need it to wake up, and I always have it in airplane mode and do not disturb, so there's no temptation to pick it up. I'm I'm afraid to pick it up because I know if I do, it'll make me wake up earlier in the morning. It'll decrease the quality of my sleep. It's just not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I can um, 
go off the grid, as I call it, for a couple of days. I just alert everybody that I'm off the grid for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine, I don't know. Could you do that? Uh, yeah, I find it harder. You know, I find it harder to do that. And I find, you know, I'll, I'll just check every once in a while. Um, but I find it less stressful than wondering that if there's been some emergency. I'm a worrier. And, I, right. and if, if, if I'm getting no information, then I'm worrying more. So I just need to go and check and make sure there's nothing I have to worry about. <laughs> there's a great test you can do, and I've done it a number of times for two or three weeks at a time, and that's that setting that email responder that you're away from, you, from your email and then seeing if anything actually goes wrong. And you could do it just for one day, and I found that as a rule, nothing goes, goes wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, where can people connect with you? My website is susanbialy.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-B-I-A-L-I.com. And there's a free book, ebook they can get there, 10 Essential Easy Changes, that um, follows up on some of these things we've been talking about. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening and sharing your story. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. That was TD's Your Story, Your Future. You are listening to what she said. We'll be right back. I'm going round and round, but darling, I lift you up, because I know you won't let me down. What you are listening to is a little piece of a song called Old Sweet Day by singer-songwriter I. That's actually spelt A-H-I. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having me. Now, you're originally from Brampton, so tell us how you got started. Uh, music wasn't something we did. Like we, we would do like talent shows growing up, me and my siblings, but music wasn't something we were educated in. I had no musical background. My parents don't do music. But um, I really loved singing. I was really passionate about it. And uh, when I got into music, I was started as a rapper, doing poetry with a band. And from there, I just really felt like I want to sing. And the, the, the guitar player in my band, he said to me, man, you have a really great voice. You just need to hone it and listen to yourself. So from then on, I kind of started focusing on singing more and then kind of put the, the rapping and the poetry aside. Yeah. So I understand you come from a whole big family of teachers. So I want to know, is there a little bit of pushback when you said, I don't think I'm going to be a music teacher. I think I'm actually going to be a musician. Uh, Yeah. So a lot of educators, um, West Indian backgrounds, very culturally strict. And if anything outside of getting a degree is taboo, you got to go to university, (laughs) get a degree. And um, I decided not to do that. I decided to do music. My my father's very strict in a lot of ways, but I, but now he's more supportive, and now he sees the success and the, the progress. But I, there's a lot of kickback at first, right? Well, I mean, no kidding. Old Sweet Day hit 34 on the U.S. Viral 50 Spotify chart without yeah. any promotion or marketing. That's yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, but nothing has been more viewed than your rendition of Bob Marley's "No Woman No Cry," which was filmed in a London alleyway, accompanied with the harmonies of your three-year-old daughter. Even the Marley family contact you yes, about Rita it. Yes, Rita Marley herself reached out through email. She said she loved the cover, wants to know about my daughter. And I say uh-huh. that people, they, came, they come to the video for her, but they stay <laughs> for me, right? <laughs> she got a future in singing too, you little one? She, oh, she's, yeah, I, I will see. <laughs> she's good, she's talented. You know, yeah, she's an interesting one. <laughs> so. Now, for all our listeners out there, you have a show coming up at the Drake in Toronto on June 28th. June 28th at the Drake. I'm putting a lot into this show. It's going to be a big one. I'm performing with my band and Jared Stanley, who was the CBC Juno, CBC uh, Fans Choice for The Searchlight. He's going to be performing, and Bourdine is a sibling band. They're really awesome, and we're inviting a lot of industry people out to come out to the show, so it's going to be a big one. I want you all to help me pack the room if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to be around on the 28th. Right? That'd be great. And where can people find you on social media and find your music? My website, ahimusic.com, has all my social media links, ahimusic. If you just type ahimusic in Google, you'll find me. So you find you. Well, I found you at the Michael Williams Soul yes. in, in the City concert. It was like, we've got to have you on. It was, it's great. And I didn't know that your wife is uh, Andrea Case's niece. Yeah, yeah. It's a small, <laughs> small world. world. Small <laughs> it really is. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We will be back tomorrow night at 10. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. Now, performing All Sweet Day in our live studio sessions, here is I. I've got a lot to learn, you've got a lot to give We can go anywhere, rebuild this broken bridge You've got a heart of gold, I've got a mind that goes On and on and on to places we'll never know But I just want to be with you when the day is done When the darkness comes, when the old sweet day is done I just want to be with you in the setting sun Till the morning comes 
when the day is done. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. when your sweet day is done. You gotta figure it out Then I'm going round and round But darling, I'll lift you up Cause I know you won't let me down I want you to meet me there By the well where we used to drink I will draw the water If you quench these thirsty lips Cause I just wanna be with you When the day is done When the darkness comes When the old sweet day is done I just wanna be with you In the setting sun Till the morning comes when the day is done, oh, oh mm-hmm. when the old sweet day I've walked a million miles, you made the perfect home, me and you will be alright, as long as we're not alone. Cause I just wanna be with you when the day is done When the darkness comes When the old sweet day is done I just wanna be with you in the setting sun Till the morning comes When the day is done oh, oh. Mm-hmm. When the day is done When the day is done What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.